I'm Angelique Rocher, and this is Marvel's Voices. My first intake of Marvel content, there was two different entryways. One of my favorite movies when I was a kid was Howard the Duck. He was cranky. He was surly. He was a duck that walked around. But I really would have to say I was obsessed with the X-Men cartoon. For me, seeing Gambit come to life with his Louisiana accent and Storm being this strong, powerful woman of color and then Jubilee and her dope, like, outfit and the bright yellows and pinks and I think that was the the entry point for a lot of folks and it was the entry point for Ronnie Chang and it's so cool to me that this one cartoon crossed so many boundaries international boundaries language boundaries geographic boundaries race gender culture that really gave kids this ability to see themselves as superheroes and I just, I, I love it. Honestly, I will tell you, the moment I walked into the creative space to talk to Ronnie Chang, it was nonstop laughter. Like, it wasn't just that it was him trying to be funny. It really was his personality. Like, it's just, he really has this way about him, whether it's his demeanor, whether it's his word usage. He's just funny in a very smart, very observant, very analytical way. And I think that's the same thing when you look at the work he's done with Ronnie Chang, international student. He really put his heart and soul into creating something that was new and unique and different that showed a different aspect of what it meant to be an Asian person living in Australia who was going to school with a bunch of folks who are also international folks and this blend of cultures and really create this different image of what college could look like, but also this different image of what funny looks like. You feel like you're laughing with him, not at him. And I think that's a really unique thing to do, particularly when you live in a world as a person of color where jokes are based upon stereotypes. This is Ronnie Chang's story. And a lot of me laughing. A lot. Well, she has a lawyer for her sister, so I'm, I'm a lawyer. Oh, there you go. I'm a lawyer, uh, too, so there yeah, you go. Yeah, you you not only are a lawyer, like, you went back and, like, got another graduate degree after you became a comedian. I did two degrees at once. Oh, you did both of them at once? Yeah, in law in Australia as undergraduate. Yeah, so that's, so, so it wasn't a big deal. You just did two at once. Yeah, I just do, do two at once, you know. No, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty, it's actually, it's... Honestly, it sounds more impressive than it is anyone could. You could. You could do. Anyone could do. Like. Wow. Well, I have LLM, <laughs> and I try to tell people it's like. Nah, oh, you got masters of law. I did. Oh, my wife has a masters of law. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have two lawyers in one family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that work out? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, she uh, she passed the bar, uh, the New York bar, on her first try, and I didn't. So yeah, there's no. No hard feelings. No hard feelings there at all. <laughs> well, we're gonna uh, leave that. that yeah, we're gonna you, leave that over you, there. <laughs> did you pass the bar? I did. I uh, passed the Louisiana bar, though, not the New York right. bar. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. It's actually more focused on. Uh, we have civil law, so yeah, it's actually a little bit system. more similar uh, to international law systems. Yeah, than, it's more codified and it makes more sense. Much so. Yeah, the much, common law, you know, the case law thing is like. I knew yeah. you were smart. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know how well, smart you were. The question <laughs> is, if you went as far as getting your masters of law and passing the bar, then and you just went, no, you don't want to do it anymore. I mean, I was like, I would. I was an artist when I was young, uh-huh. uh, and I decided that I wanted to to write. Right. And so I 
went into politics. So I, I left that, worked on the Hill for a while. Uh-huh. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that Masters of Law is quite a long way to go yeah. before deciding not to, you know, switch it up. But but one of the cool things that I know, so you decided once you were done with your undergraduate that you were going to go do comedy, though. How yeah. did that How did that come about? I couldn't get a job. It was the global financial crisis and people weren't hiring and I wasn't a very good student. So I didn't have the, I wasn't very competitive anyway. So and comedy was going better for me than law. So I just kept doing it. So why law? Because I was like, I was 18 and I didn't know what, you know, I wanted money and I thought law was a, was a good way to make money. I'm not going to lie. That's actually kind of what happened to me when I graduated. Yeah. That's that's what happens to everybody. You watch too much Ali McBeal and you think that's what, what, uh, (laughs) what working the law is like. And then you work in and you're like, oh, actually it's not Ali McBeal at all. This is not exactly what I want to do with my life. It's not Ali McBeal. It's more like Ali McBeal reading a phone book is what it really feels like. You know what? I've never heard that analogy, but it's actually, yeah, yeah Constitution Law is pretty much like reading yeah. a phone book some days. Yeah. So uh, your new show, well, yeah. it's, it's virtually new. Yeah, it's new in America. Yeah, it's been out in Australia for a year now, but it's mm. new new Com- on Comedy Central, Ryan Chain International it's, Student. It's loosely based on your life? Sure, yeah. How loosely? Because I've, I've watched all the episodes. Yeah. How loosely? Loosely, is it it's, based? Uh, yeah, it's well, you know we we set up the premise and then we just try to make ourselves laugh. Is what happened in the end. So uh, a lot, a lot of the uh, core of each episode, uh, a lot of the heart of each episode comes from a very real place. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know the way the um, unrequited love or like yeah. the frustration with uni admin yeah. or even frustration with your own friendship groups. You know, all that comes from a very real place. So in the yeah. show, so that folks, so your mom in the show is like this very, um, she's got very high expectations. Sure. Yeah. Um, but she's also, it's also come coming from a place of love, right? Yeah. I think that's what's really not shown in that stereotype. Like people like to, you know, um, people are very well aware of that tiger mom stereotype, which I, I think there's a grain of truth in that with, with how my mom was. But people don't see the other side of that coin. It's never depicted the other side, which is the love that that is there. So um, that that comes along with the kind of the pressure that they give you or the how demanding they are. It comes from a place of love usually. So mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of show both sides of that coin. I, I think I hope I showed it in the in the show. Oh, I think yeah. I think there was a moment. I again, we're trying not to do too many spoilers. Right. But like there was a moment where I was like, oh. She really loves him. Uh, like, she really just... So, do you still get calls every day from mom? Yeah, yeah. I speak all the time. She's in Singapore right now. And we just talk on the phone. Yeah. FaceTime. That's how That's how I talk with my mom on FaceTime. Because I haven't been in the same country as a, since I was 18. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you moved out of Singapore at 18. Well, you moved out yeah. of Singapore when you went to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so, is the rest of your family still in Singapore? Yeah, yeah. My whole family's in Singapore. So, yeah. siblings? Siblings, yeah. My, well, my my sister's in Australia, actually. Yeah. So, why Australia? It's near to Singapore, and it was... It's a nice place if you've been there. It's very uh, high standard of living. Uh, Melbourne is, like, voted the most livable city six times in a row now. It's a very cool place to live and, and work and study, yeah. And my sister went there for med school, so it was very... It was like very easy for me to go there and yeah. be with my sister. So older sister. Yeah. Older sister, yeah. So you're the youngest. Yeah, I'm the youngest. Yeah. The youngest yeah. generally ends up being the creative in the family. Is that true? I mean, I've had a lot of youngest siblings on the show. Are you the youngest? I am. Oh, there you go. That's interesting. That means we, you know, 
I don't know. I, well, what is it? Yeah, what does that mean? Does I think it's like craving it attention. Co- I don't know what don't, it is. Ooh, that could be it. I don't know. I might actually admit to that. We just we entertain. Like, were you always an entertainer as a kid? I I don't know. I don't think so. Would your mom? So. Would your mom say that? No, I don't think I. I like yeah, everyone hated me. It was just so I don't so know. Maybe that's where it came from. So how did you get into comedy then? I I I really don't know. I wish I knew. I I I saw it and I I thought it was something I could try. So then I just went to do it. And so you just it, got up on stage. Like yeah, one just, night you just decided and you just yeah. There was a there was a campus comedy competition and then I went to do it and I thought I could do stand-up comedy so i went to give it a try and then it it worked out so i don't know yeah and then the rest is history yeah so you never know where the you know the path goes when you where the opportunities lead you wow so you did comedy on several continents you've been in several different comedy festivals you've been on tv shows yeah i'm okay i did okay i did okay in australia like people showed up in australia shout out australia (laughs) thanks for coming out yeah i started (laughs) i started comedy i started doing comedy in australia Yeah, Yeah. yeah so uh, I had I I I got pretty lucky. I, I got I was doing theaters quite early on. You know, people were coming to watch me, so that was nice. I didn't get a lot of TV in Australia. Really? Yeah, I was more of a like subversive act, I guess. Yeah, not very mainstream. I think I don't know. I'm. It's hard for me to categorize myself. So why write? Why um, did you tell your story? Uh, money, really. It was really for <laughs> money and fame. That's the that's only, it. That was the only. Yeah, that's the only reason I got out of bed. Honestly, for money and fame, and not even a lot. You can just give me a little bit. I'm. I'll, I'll get out of bed. <laughs> For like ten bucks, I, I'll get a bit for ten bucks. Uh, the uh, well, the the ABC in Australia, not to be confused with the ABC in America, the television network Very asked different. me, yeah, asked me to write a TV series. So I went to give it a try, and you know, writing is it's it's hard, man. It's hard, and it's something you can only learn through experience. So yeah. we wrote the pilot, and then. The pilot went pretty well, and then we wrote the whole series. And I learned a lot writing those seven episodes. You know, it's just me and my co-creator Declan Fay. We wrote the whole thing essentially. Um, and uh, like every episode we wrote, I think we got better at doing it. Mm. So I mean, if you're watching the series, I encourage you to, like keep watching it because I think we got better as we went along. Yeah. You know, we established the world. We learned how to write for TV. Mm. Um, I can't tell you how much I learned just by trying to write these seven screenplays you know how to write an episode the kind of energy it takes the the pace uh story arcs uh, a and b stories how to link them um you know keeping things interesting yeah. and uh how to not overwrite yeah. ideas. one of the things i loved about the show is that you find a way to make fun of tropes making fun of tropes sure like i hope you so actually, yeah. like you actually find a way like how how difficult is it for you to accurately represent, particularly when you're dealing with multiple cultures, folks, without right. overstepping? Like speaking of overwriting. Yeah, I mean, I it, because it's my own story, so I feel like I don't really have any wrong answers. Um, and also, I feel like there's as much as this, as much as tropey as television can be. In my case, I feel like no one's really talked about the subject matter which I'm talking about, which mm. is basically this kind of cross-cultural TV show of like Asian people from Asia in Australia. Like I don't think anyone's ever discussed that and all the layers that come with it, you know. Um, so in that sense, it, any trope that we did was immediately kind of flipped on its head. Yeah. Be- almost, in my in my opinion anyway, like just by us being unconventional characters you know so Asians from Asian Asia doing it it kind of flipped yeah. the tropes and also I mean I think we're well aware of you know what hacky TV looks like and so we were keen to kind of avoid anything that was too 
you know, that, that felt too, uh, like, unoriginal. Um, yeah. So that helped kind of push us. Every time we, we wrote a story, we tried to make sure that it made us laugh and made us as jaded comics, like... Which Still, is not yeah. an easy thing to do to yeah, make jaded yeah. comics laugh. No, it's not. I mean, we, we barely laugh at anything. We laugh, uh, like... We know I can't remember the last time I even smiled at anything, honestly. Yeah, so it sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, we were trying to make ourselves laugh more than anything. Being here now, like you came over in 2015, you made yeah. your debut on the Late Late Show. Yeah, what was your conscious thought like when you came over to the United States? You obviously were selling out shows there. You were, you were yeah. You're being invited to Montreal and 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 really doing that. But why come over to the states? Um, you know everything. I loved about creating came out of America. So I just wanted to come over and do cool stuff. Like it wasn't even about, um, honestly, I took a pay cut to come over here. Like it was, it was, it was just, I, all my heroes, all my creative heroes, my comic heroes, uh, my movie heroes, everyone came out of America. So um, I just wanted to come over here and, and make stuff with them or at least try to make stuff with them or make stuff at a level that, I saw was coming out of America. Yeah. So you've done stand up, you've done sketch, you've done TV, you've done movies. Like, what's your favorite? Um, I li- I like it all. I like it all. I li- I really love doing stand up. That's my that w- that's my primary profession. It's your jam. Yeah, stand comedy was what got me everything else. So I love doing that. So I still do it every night in New York City. Um, and uh, TV and acting is is so different. It's such a different um kind of expression way of expressing yourself you know like stand up is so uh immediate and visceral and like uncensored and it's just crazy town and you know whatever's happening in the moment and uh acting is a lot more uh there's a lot more people involved and you're you know you're trying to uh deliver on a specific vision that has to like you have to execute like when you're doing live comedy like whatever happens it's live comedy you know we all get it, but with with television and movies, like you, you have to execute on whatever that vision was—a very specific goal. So um, they're both very different muscles. Yeah. So comedy is also very nuanced, right? Like sure. pe- different people think different things are funny. Cultural things like sure. there are gaps. Yeah. Has that been a challenge, or because you grew up in multiple yeah, places? Yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. I mean, I'm like you. I started learning how to do comedy in Australia. So mm. I'm very much a product of the Australian comedy scene. And then, so it's not like I learned how to do comedy in Singapore. Like mm. I learned how to do it in, in Australia. So I was very geared towards Australia already. And then when I moved to America, I had to like relearn how to do comedy. And um, I actually met up with John Oliver when I first moved here uh, to ask him how to do, com- how to be a non-American correspondent on The Daily Show. Oh, wow. And he told me it took him two years to relearn how to do comedy in America. And he was spot on to the day to relearn how to do comedy here. Because he's a stand-up from the UK. He's yeah. a very experienced stand-up from the UK. But even he had an adjustment period. And um, basically, you want to be able to tell jokes, understanding your audience's yeah. uh, actual perspective. And that's it's very easy to say that you know, but you don't really know until you've live like them you know and like you so basically if you're if you're a, a headliner from another country and you come to america you can you can kill for five minutes you can kill for 15 you can probably kill for 45 minutes an hour even but you can only do it for 
I would you get you play the outsider card, right? Like yeah. I'm not from here. This is crazy. This is weird. And you can do that for about six to nine months before I think audiences start to smell the bullshit <laughs> of like, oh, you're you're from here. You know, you keep joking as though you're the outsider, but you've lived here long enough. You know better. Yeah. And so the the trick is to. Um, still, you can still joke about America as an outsider, but you have to be able to make jokes that accurately reflect uh, the American uh, experience and their perspective. And that takes some time to actually learn the nuances of. But when you do hit that, it, it, you can feel it hit. Like yeah. that's when how you get to the next level. And I you think. get in your groove. Yeah, yeah. Because you're joke, you're making fun of them, but you're making fun of people, and they know you fully understand their perspective. Yeah. You know, you're not just making fun of them from a very surface level. That's really the key, yeah. Um, so you're a big Marvel fan. Yes, I think, huge I think that's fan. actually putting it lightly, though. Uh, I'm a so, huge Marvel fan, but I feel like coming into Marvel and saying that is almost like, is almost like you know, too cocky. Like I feel like you guys are gonna <laughs> nail me with some obscure fact, like no some, trick questions, right? Some some story element or some item that I don't know about. But so I'm, I'm a big Marvel fan. So in 1967, no, I'm just go. absolutely joking. Yeah. Um. So how did how did in the midst of like all your travels and the different places you yeah. lived, how did you get into Marvel? Well, I think everyone got into Marvel by for my generation from the X Men cartoon series, right? Iconic theme song. Yes. Great animation. Really cool storylines. And that cartoon, like, it was kind of like the gateway drug. And then you start to explore more of that world. For me, that's how I got into it. And then, um, you know, you start learning about the different characters and wanting to... Because the cartoon only covers so much. And, you know, it eventually ended. And so you're like, oh, what happened to these characters? What happened to these stories? And then you slowly start exploring more and more of the world and it's such there's so many that's one cool thing I always loved it when they had the uh, crossover like huge events there's like this thing everybody that got everybody. into everybody else's world yeah yeah, yeah yeah I mean they're still really cool I love for me I really love the team ups like when you get these like really mm-hmm. cool team ups and uh-huh. folks are like working together like uh-huh. there's one part um, when I first got into Ms. Marvel where Wolverine is actually in one of the issues of Ms. Marvel. And I was okay. like, that's really cool. Yeah, that's seeing cool Wolverine like yeah, yeah. somewhere else uh, in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is there like one particular character like after you had, you know, your X-Men experience that you really... Um... I mean, I, I really like them all. I really like them all. I, I liked yeah. everything. Like Spider-Man was always really cool. They always found a way to keep it relevant. And what, what I like about Spider-Man is how he manages to get so much done with arguably a very limited... <laughs> his 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 power range is actually quite limited. I mean, hmm. like, uh, he can shoot webs and he can and stick swing. on a wall. He can stick on walls and he's got a suit. Yeah, but and that's kind of it, but he's fighting literally everybody, like aliens and, like, like uh, corporations and, and, like, criminal, like, organizations. He, so, I mean, I, I always thought that he was pretty cool. I always thought he was very resourceful. That was my favorite thing about Spider-Man was how resourceful he was. Yeah. So, like, he, made, he, he did a lot with what he had. And... I, you know, it's so cheesy again to Captain America because the name and the uniform and all that. But if you actually read the comic books, like they really updated him, you know. Yeah. Have you have you read the new one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome? When he got shot and then he came back and then yeah. when he died and then I think like um, uh, he was the same, but they put him into this really cynical world, which I really like, mm-hmm. where he he doesn't even he seems so out of place because yeah. he knows how how 
kind of corny he is himself you know like what a weird symbol he is in this really like he yeah. he he feels he doesn't feel he's very self-aware of that which is what i liked about that i feel you no need a little bit of corny in your life though like, yeah there always I mean, needs to be a little bit of sure i mean especially with captain america like and also i always wonder why captain america never got promoted like why is he always just a captain like why why, why is why he not did, general america yeah well, he should be general america by now but they just kept him at captain which is i think a huge oversight um, it's all branding. Yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all branding. It's all politics. It's like you know, we he, could give you four stars. Yeah, but we could make you a general. But Captain America has a nice ring to it. It does have yeah. a nice ring to it. They could keep the captain. You could call him General Captain America, like as though like Captain's his name, but it's not a rank. All right, so we got a couple quick fire questions. Please, Hulk versus Thor. Oh, love it. Um, I gotta go with uh Hulk every time because I I feel like Hulk should be the most powerful uh, being in the universe. And he often is depicted as that. I don't know if you saw Thanos, the recent Thanos series. It's literally, he's the only guy left at the end of the universe. It's him and Thanos and Hellrider for some reason. I mean... Yeah, so uh, I got to go with Hulk on this one. All right. Yeah. Metric versus Imperial. Come on, Metric, for sure. I just needed you to say it. Imperial is dumb as hell. (laughs) What's, how many, how many, uh, what's the boiling point of water? (laughs) <laughs> Nobody knows in, in Fahrenheit because it doesn't make sense. It's an arbitrary number. It is. A- yeah. What, what's, how, many inch, how many feet are in a yard? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. We don't know what we're doing. We literally launched stuff into Mars and it crashed because we don't know Imperial. Metric, please. All right. Spider-Man versus Venom. Spider-Man, you got to go Spider-Man. Cable versus Deadpool. It's the last one. Ooh. Oh, I like Cable. I like Cable too. I think Cable, cable has got a cable. sense he can, of duty. He can travel through time, and he he can. Yeah, and that changes that's, a lot. That's you know that's it. That's the end game. You're also, done. apparently, if he didn't get the techno organic virus that he's always bitching about, like he would he would be like the most powerful dude in the universe, right? Because who's that? Who's that? X Men. X Men is Cable without the virus, right? I'm here with it. All right, so X Men is the son of uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey. If he if he didn't get the virus, then the unlimited potential that he would have had. But But, we got to keep things in check here at Marvel. Yeah, that's why you give cable. What what other story would we have? Right? Whatever story would we have? Yeah. All right. So, what is your superpower? My superpower. Yes. Um, my superpower. Oh man, very slow off my feet. Very bad at improv is my superpower. <laughs> All right. um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Damn. I, I would always like the Adam Sandler click, that freezing time one. Freezing That's, time is cool, right? Freezing time is actually really yeah, cool. Yeah, freezing time is super useful. You can prepare it's for kind, interviews. You could do whatever you want at I that point whatever. in time. Yeah, yeah. Just you, freeze it. It's like getting more time in your day. It's yeah. freezing time. Freezing time, yeah. Freezing time is great. As long as you also freeze relative, but then how, how would that work, right? You don't want to age in frozen time is what I'm saying. Oh, then that you, would actually kind of suck. Yeah. So you would actually have to have the superpower of eternal youth and the ability to freeze yeah. time. That's, a, that's really that's complicated. Very that's, that's very greedy. Yeah. That is, I mean, but can you be greedy with superpowers? I think you can. Huh. I think you can. You might have to d- agree to disagree on yeah. that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> No, this was amazing. I am. I am really excited for folks to see um, Ronnie Chang, international student. Thank you so much. Um, and congratulations. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. One of these days, we'll, I'll meet you again, and we'll talk about um, how different the Australian legal system is. Oh right. <laughs> you don't want to know about that. I mean, I, I studied it at my LLM. I did a I did an international law. 
That was awesome. Thank you again to Ronnie Chang for coming into the studio and his very busy schedule. And thank you. Thank you for listening. This is almost a year that we've been at this and Marvel's Voices is going strong. And I'm really excited because if you're listening to this and you're in New York right now, we are at New York Comic Con. And tomorrow, Friday, because this came out on a Thursday, we're going to be doing the first ever Marvel's Voices live stage event with Saladin Ahmed. Oh, and make sure you go and you watch Ronnie Chang, International Student. It's streaming right now on the Comedy Central app. See you next time.